Welcome to the Fire the Family podcast. Did you know the average American is behind on their retirement savings? Imagine if your family could learn to budget, save, and invest enough to become financially independent. I'm here to show you through my own experience exactly how you can get on the path to financial independence and reach retirement on or before the age of 65. From age 19 to 28, Kayla and I have been married for nine years, had three boys, and earned four degrees combined with no student loan debt, and have taken our household income from zero to over $130,000 a year. We both want to invite you to firethefamily.com, where we have free tools and resources that you can use to get started on your financial independence journey. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to episode 30 and officially what I'm calling season three of the Fire the Family podcast. I've had a lot of requests to have different people on the show, give a different perspective, and ultimately uh, stop soloing every episode by myself. I can't blame you for that because I like listening to podcasts that do that as well. So today I'm pleased to share with you a conversation that I had with Mr. inspire to fire from the website inspiredafire.com. He's a fire blogger and enthusiast. He's a financial coach and pharmacist uh, working two pharmacy jobs. He's seriously inspiring and his story is awesome. He's got a lot of great nuggets of wisdom to share. I definitely learned a lot talking with him and it was really great to connect with somebody in the fire community. Um, I'm going to continue having uh, interviews like this on the channel if that's something that you want would like to partake in if you're in the fire community and you're creating content or even if you're not and you just have a great story to share uh, with the audience then I'd be happy to have you on the show Uh, if not the show notes are down below and links to things that we talk about in the episode are uh, down there for you to go check out Mr. Inspire to Fire's website Uh, you can also find him on, on Instagram and I'll link to that as well so without further ado here is the conversation between myself and Mr. Inspire to Fire. All right, Mr. Inspire to Fire, welcome to the Fire the Family podcast. Thank you so much for being here, man. Hey, thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's I appreciate it, and um, I'm looking forward to talk about financial independence. Yeah, definitely, and that's why we're here, right? So um, getting to uh, my audience, hopefully we'll have a chance to learn from you and your experience and uh, get to see your website and, and uh, see what you're all about. Um, so uh, you're a fellow fire enthusiast, blogger, financial coach. Uh, so I would definitely want to thank you for being here again. Uh, you're the first guest on the uh, podcast here with me. Oh, man, it feels great. It feels great. <laughs> yeah, I definitely appreciate it. Uh, so we're on opposite ends of the country. I'm up here in Washington State. And the first thing that, you know, it's kind of current events, uh, you know, situated, but being up here in Washington where the coronavirus, you know, originated essentially in Washington, Seattle area, uh, for the United States. I'm curious how things are in the opposite corner of the United States. So things are getting a little bit more real lately. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, New York is is getting hit pretty hard, unfortunately. So, um, you know, I, I definitely feel for those affected. And, uh, you know, down here, it's the I work in healthcare. I'm a pharmacist. That's my day job. So, you know, I, I have to kind of see it every day. And, you know, be on the front lines. And uh, yeah, it's tough, but I think we need to really take it seriously and try to get ahead, really prepare for it. And if we over prepare, then the worst thing that can happen is that we kind of look silly. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, being underprepared can lead to far greater consequences. So um, that's what I would have to say, Um, you know, across the country, we're seeing it. Um, So from Washington to Florida, 
it is growing and and it's kind of scary. The exponential growth part is a little scary. Yeah, definitely. And I, I saw that early on um, with that, like the, some of the graphs and things, and we could just tell that, you know, it took like eight days to get from zero to a hundred, then eight days, zero to a thousand, then 10,000, a million, and that exponential growth, I think none of us are really prepared for. Um, but you said you're a pharmacist. That's super interesting. Uh, how did you get into, you know, being in, into the pharmacy industry? Um, well, I've always kind of liked biology and, uh, you know, seeing how medicines work with the body, et cetera. So I just thought to myself, what can I do as a career? I was kind of undecided and I uh, just saw that pharmacists were in need in the time that when I was going to school and, and uh, it was a way for me to practice medicine uh, with my hands clean. I didn't really want to be a surgeon or anything like that. I can't see blood. So uh, yeah, I, I chose pharmacy and uh, it's been a good career so far, uh, but you know, I found fire and uh, that movement. And so I know that I won't be in pharmacy uh, my whole career like others. You know, I won't be hopefully uh, practicing at the age of 60 or anything like that. But, uh, but it's been good. It's been good to me lately. That's awesome. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, neat that you found a, a really you know, good industry. And it sounds, you know, to me, being a pharmacist that definitely doesn't hurt you know, your path to financial independence uh, or retire early, right? So how did you stumble upon or how did you discover the fire movement uh well i discovered it a little bit i don't know if it's a little bit later or not but after i graduated pharmacy i think when i was in pharmacy school i was just too caught up with the books and the tests that i i didn't have any time to focus on anything else but once i got out uh after a year or so i said all right i, I kind of know what i'm doing and i started making a lot more money and i said okay i need to figure out what i'm gonna do i have student loans you know, I have goals in life. Um, I need to be financially responsible. So I, I looked into different ways to manage your finances, got into a little bit of Dave Ramsey. That seems to be like the portal for a lot of people. Um, but then, you know, I stumbled on Mr. Money Mustache and actually the Mad Scientist uh, with his podcast. And uh, the rest is history. I kind of just, you know, digested everything I could find really on the, on the subject. Yeah, it seems like when, um, at least for me, when uh, I find out something new that's really interesting, uh, it's hard for me to put that stuff down and just kind of full immerse myself into it. And it's uh, it's easy to get lost in it. And once you get to a few of those, you know, Dave Ramsey, obviously, like you said, is super popular and uh, everyone kind of starts there just probably because of parents or it's just on the radio and it's super easy to, to access. Right. Uh, nowadays with the internet and podcasting and YouTubing and there's so much information that uh, it's just, there's, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, you definitely can. And that's what, that's kind of what happened with me is just went through the whole Dave Ramsey. And then, um, I read, uh, the, the intelligent investor, and then I made it into, um, uh, when I started wanting to create content and tell others around me about what I was, you know, working on, uh, was when I found, you know, Mr. Money, Mr. Money Mustache, um, and, uh, the mad scientist as well. So it's kind of funny. We all kind of follow a similar path and those guys were kind of the, the first ones to really pave that for all of us. And so it's super, super exciting. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I, to piggyback on that, I kind of think that they're definitely the, the, founding fathers, you should say, or maybe like the first generation mm -hmm. of the fire movement. Um, so, you know, a lot of props to them and what they've done. They, they kind of paved the road to show us, you know, a different way of living, um, a better way, hopefully. And, uh, you know, 
that's kind of what I want to do. And I feel like maybe that's what you would want to be doing as well as being that second generation to kind of, you know, continue the movement, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I see it as they, um, a lot of these people have, um, achieved something before it really had a, a label for it. And so, mm-hmm. uh, the second wave, um, of, of content creators that are coming out and talking about it or, um, you know, they're spreading the kind of the good news about it are, um, are really defining a lot of the different variations. And every time I turn around, it seems like there's, you know, a different type of fire and a different, you know, strategy or uh, end goal, but really it's about the basic fundamentals and, and being responsible with, you know, the money that's been entrusted to you and, and taking care of it, in my opinion, and, and making it, uh, uh, and not wasting it really. And, and, um, not living in abundance and, and a lot of other things that, that I believe in, and it, uh, all, you know, just the fun- fundamentals and foundational aspects of it that I think a lot of us are kind of defining and, and fleshing out uh, that that first generation maybe didn't do. Um, but it's so thankful for what they've done and, and um, you know, bringing this to light that like, hey, we can live with less. It's not necessarily minimalism, but if you live with less and you, you invest more than the average person, uh, you can, you don't have to wait until you're in your 60s and you physically can't work anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I completely agree. And uh, also the landscape changes as well. Every year, there's something new. I mean, coronavirus uh, has oh, taught yeah. us, uh, I'm sure. And now I'm like kind of like a sneak peek. Uh, I'm going to try to come out with an article about that on what are some, some lessons that I've learned and I think everybody else can learn as well from this downturn. Because a lot, a lot of us, this is our first bear market that we're going through. Um, even though it just kind of started, we're not really sure if it ended. But uh you know, it's, uh, it's, it's scary time. So it's a good test to see how strong we are and, and, uh, you know, how strong our will is, I guess, with that. Yeah, I definitely agree. It kind of feels like you're, we're standing on the edge of a cliff and not quite sure, right. If, um, if we're going to be pushed off or not. And uh, I know it, it feels like if news came out tomorrow that there was a vaccine, which obviously they're, they're saying isn't, isn't the case, then, then would the market go back to normal? And it's like, I don't know, a recession is defined as two, you know, two successive quarters of GDP shrinkage. And, and I think that there's no way we have GDP growth in the first two quarters of this year. It's just, I think it's impossible. And so that kicks off, right? It's kind of like, um, once you, once you have hypertension with your heart, like, uh, for the for a doctor reference, um, you kind of have it. You can't really get rid of it. Uh, you're you've already passed that threshold, and so I feel like we're already into what could become a you know six, eight, twelve month recession. And you're right; it's the first one I've been through. I was um, in 2009. I graduated high school in 2009, and and <laughs> and so I experienced the effect it had on my parents, which I think our whole generation probably was. Um, a lot of our a lot of our investing decisions and our money decisions are kind of subconsciously guided by some of those experiences maybe i've thought yeah. about that quite a bit yeah, yeah. for sure uh, my mom is a, a cpa so she is definitely financially savvy she knows the good and, and bad decisions to make with money but you know fire movement tends to take it to a whole nother level um so that's something that would not have i guess uh she wouldn't have understood she wouldn't she wouldn't have yeah. understood uh, does your, speaking of that, does your mom know that, uh, you're doing this with your money? Uh, she does my taxes. So there you go. So she does <laughs> see at the end of the year, what's going on. Um, she, uh, you know, 
is she does ask questions here and there like hey you contributed a lot to your retirement accounts what's going on with that and uh, i'll be like you know it's just something i want to do i think it's important you know and i also want to bring myself to another uh tier i i get you know like my student loan deduction because of me contributing so much uh to my retirement accounts i was able to qualify for a student loan deduction mm-hmm. um just trying to bring my adjusted gross income level lower and lower um but uh but yeah she doesn't really know the full aspect of me wanting to retire early she just thinks that i'm you know trying to uh, i guess bring my taxes to a lower level yeah that's neat and super interesting i always find that balance with my own family really difficult and it's not something it's something where i talk about openly um if we cross that path but there's a few things that i just kind of don't cross the bridge with with my family and and money is one of them and um, I, I'm not, it's just like a privacy thing. I don't know why, but, uh, they don't, they don't know that I even, you know, create content on the internet. And so it's yeah. kind of, uh, an interesting relationship there. Um, and what's funny, you said that my mother-in-law is a, um, she's an accountant and she does the taxes for my, uh, my brother and sister-in-law. So uh, she gets to see their finances and stuff and we won't let her touch ours. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Um, yeah, so uh, I've had this question a few times and I haven't had a great answer for it because it's just not something that myself or my wife have looked into as of late. But as far as adjusted gross income, what have, have you found anything that you can speak to on the spot um, that has helped you in doing that? Um, well, the Mad Scientist is like a great resource. I'm trying to be a lot like him just because for some reason taxes, I find that interesting. I mean, I know it's Mm. not something that is riveting, but, uh, you know, just learning a lot about the tax code is something that I enjoy. So 401k is obviously maxing out, uh, as much as you can. Um, HSAs as well, taking advantage of that if you have that. Um, so those two I do as well as, uh, I am lucky enough to have a 457 plan offered to me as well. So I take advantage of that as well. Um, So really, I am uh, deferring a lot of my income, I would say, probably if you max out both, what would that be? I can't Uh, 19 uh, and a half now. Yeah, or 19 times two, it's like 30. Oh, I'm horrible. 38. 38. Yeah, 38. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's what I'm doing. Plus the uh, HSA full max Mm -hmm. contribution. Um, you know, you can you can defer over forty thousand in, in taxes for the year, and then qualify for some additional deductions as well. Um, yeah, that's that's great to hear, man. I, uh, I like I said, I've had that question a few times, and I think just putting your money in the right place, number one, is is first and foremost. And well, that's what we've we've been pushing a lot is is getting to max out some of these accounts. And my wife has access to the four fifty seven B account from being a teacher, and um, when I saw that that's the account she was going to have access to. I like jumped off the couch, like super excited <laughs> because that fits in perfectly with our, you know, our fire journey. And we are, our finances are hundred percent combined. A big believer in that when you get married and I know not everybody else is, but the nice thing is, is that you can pull out of that early, right. Without mm-hmm. penalty and um, withdrawing money without penalty is like, it's made for the fire movement. Exactly. Exactly. I think as long as you are separated from service, um, you can withdraw that money uh, at any time, penalty-free, just pay the taxes, which for us, once we retire, quote-unquote, uh, we won't be in a high tax bracket. So, you know, we should 
be able to pay less taxes. We'll see. Yeah, it's a it's a win win. Um, what would you say? Are you focusing on any specific uh, form of the fire movement? Um, right now, my my website, I have a lot of information on the four fifty seven plan, uh, just because I've done a lot of research into that. Um, I also like to kind of help people find their FI number, mm-hmm. um, their FI mm-hmm. date, and kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, so I've built some some basically some calculators that'll. If you just plug in a few numbers, it's all built in, and you can just take advantage and find out your FI date and FI, you know, number within a couple minutes. Um, the other thing that I'm also very interested in is the Roth conversion ladder. Uh, mm. So that's something that I plan on doing, and so I built another spreadsheet, which is free. Everything is on, on my site for free, um, just to kind of help people if they're in that process or they just want to experiment and see what it would be like using a Roth conversion ladder, they can go in there and, and everything is built right in the, the Excel spreadsheet. That's awesome. I really like that idea of, of providing that for people that want to, to just take a look and see if that's something that's interesting to them. Cause you know, one of the big things is that I found is that when you show that number to somebody and you're like, Hey, if you save this much extra each month, what would that mean to you? If you could be funny, maybe not retire early, maybe you're not quitting work, but what if you could, you know, uh, be financially independent where you've already got retirement in the bank and you know, you're, you're free to, to move or to take a different job. Or, you know, I just, I grew up around so many people that are slaves to their jobs. And it's just an amazing thought to think that if you just showed that was to somebody and let them play with the numbers a little bit, that they might be able to, it might change their life really. Right. Right. That's it's, uh, it's the way it worked for me. I never considered the possibility when I went into pharmacy school, I said to myself, I might as well, choose something that I like because I'm going to be doing it for the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the mentality I had. I just didn't realize that there was another way to, to live really. Cause I had never seen it before. Yeah. So do you, do you plan on the second half of that? Cause the big, kind of the big two parts is, is a lot of people in the fire movement are spending time telling people, the public and people outside the fire movement that they don't necessarily want to quit working, that they just want to feel financially secure or reach that retirement number. So if they did want to quit working or for some reason had to stop working, um, that they'd be able to do that. But it sounds like you might be on the track of where, hey, I might actually want to pivot or do something different later uh, in your career. Yeah. So uh being a pharmacist has been rewarding so far. I just don't know if that's something that I would like to do uh, for another 20, 30 years. So, you know, it's possible that I will be uh, part-time or, or even staff relief, but that's part of the reason why I set up the website. I really enjoy the FIRE community, meeting people um, that share the same interests, and that's something that I want to get more into uh, as I get to financial, you know, financial independence. So, uh, that's something that I haven't yet determined. We'll see. But uh, this this whole period of time is kind of an interesting time because it gives everybody a, a nice idea of what it would be like if they were financially independent, except for with everything closed, of course. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm definitely going to be taking some time here in April, uh, some time off. Um, and that's going to be a little test. If I can go two weeks without uh, really going crazy in the house, then I know maybe you know, financial independence is for me and I can just hang out. If I'm going bouncing off the walls after two days, then I'm going to have to find something to do, uh, something, you know, meaningful, I guess. So 
I haven't mm-hmm. decided yet, but I know that for sure it's going to be great to have that that option. And just to be in a position of, of power, I guess, um, is another big thing for me. Yeah, that's that's great. And I, I find myself doing the same thing. It's, um, it's with this whole quarantine situation. I think several I mean, some people are really being tested. A majority of people in America are currently being tested on where they're at financially with you know financial health. And I know I have some family close to me um, and some friends that are struggling a lot because they uh, don't they never put an emergency fund in place. Uh, or just really some of the really basic stuff they don't they've never budgeted before so this is brand new to them so not only are they having to budget for the first time but they may have um, not be at work or may have lost their job or it's just a really bad time to be to be figuring out how to budget you know Um, and I my heart goes out to these people and and um, trying to do whatever I can to provide that information on the front end and unfortunately this happened a little bit too soon but um, that's that's really at the the base of all of this, right? Isn't it? The, the ability to put a budget in place and actually stick to it and be responsible to it and having an emergency fund. And, um, you know, this, the, the knowing what your savings rate is when, if someone were to ask you like, Hey, how much are you saving for retirement? And you're like, Oh, I don't know, 15, 20%, or is it at 30, 35% or, you know, do you actually know that number? And I think just knowing those numbers and where you're at is just as important as, you know, physical health and, um, your diet, you know, that's how I, that's how I look at it. Yeah, I completely agree. And, um, it's something that isn't really taught in school, uh, at a young age. So that's something that as a society, I think we can improve upon. I mean, it shouldn't have taken me till the age of 26, 27 to start learning some of these things. And, uh, you know, I had to take the initiative on myself to go to the library or look things up, uh, constantly fighting the, you know, distractions that, you know, the, the media will throw at you, which is like, what's the recent celebrity done this, this week. Right. So, uh, you know, that's something that it's, there shouldn't be a barrier to this knowledge. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's good that we're kind of trying to break that down and, uh, hopefully the second generation fire or or just, uh, the second generation, you know, uh, I mean, uh, the people that come after us, you know, our kids, our kids, kids, et cetera, they'll be able to kind of benefit and learn things earlier to put themselves in a better position. The earlier, the better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I'll start working on my wife right away. She teaches kindergarten. So if she can get her <laughs> class on board, you know, we can, we can start somewhere. Yes. There's, there's add, 17 add people curriculum. we can, yeah, there's 17 people we can, you know, we can brainwash. <laughs> um, do you have, do you have uh, a family that you support? Uh, so no kids yet. Okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm married. I have uh, an amazing wife who's been very supportive throughout the whole process. Uh, she kind of got sideswiped with the whole fire movement. She just she didn't meet me, uh, you know, going through the fire movement. We met in uh, pharmacy school, so it's been a it's been a challenge. I think that's something that the community struggles with as well is kind of uh, getting their spouse on board. Um, because that could be a, a challenge, but, uh, you know, for me, I just, I think that I took it slow and I kind of tried to, uh, you know, show her how it would benefit her necessarily, instead of saying like, why I'm so uh, amped up about the whole movement. Um, and for her, a lot of the, uh, core principles, she really values family and, uh, having that time. So I kind of, just mentioned to her that we we would be able to travel a lot more we would be able to see a lot of family and uh that kind of is what got her on board again it didn't happen overnight but 
definitely over time she started to see the benefits and uh it, it's just much easier when you're when your family's on board so like i said she's amazing and she she keeps me in check too because sometimes i go too too far and she's like hold on hold on you know what i mean like i've uh I've definitely take the frugality a little bit too far at times and she's had to put me back into a reality. Yeah, that's, there's a lot to unpack there. And, and now that you've, you know, that's a, a lot of what I talk about and what I um, hope to, to work with people on is, is through what I write is, is um, going at this, this fire journey with somebody else, you know, it's not just you. It's like, you know, somebody that may or not may or may not have chose that for their life, but they chose to be married to you. And, um, and my wife and I have been married for about nine years and uh, I've thrown a lot her way as far as hobbies and interests and uh, wild hairs. And this was <laughs> to her just an, another one. Right. And, and so getting her on board was, yeah, it's, you sound like a salesman, man. Like you're uh, that's, that's kind of how you have to do it is appeal to what's important to them and, and, um, and come at it with an open heart and know that it's not going to happen overnight. And, um, you start making some of these subtle changes and then, you know, when we started using the every dollar budget app from Dave Ramsey, uh, a little plug there, I'm not an affiliate for him, but he, uh, that app is like for the, we use the website version and that is like changed that completely changed our, our relationship with this because, um, she was able to see the effects of what we we're, what we were budgeting and saving before that month came and was like, Oh man, if we do this, we're going to save, you know, this many thousands of dollars or whatever the number may be that month. And it's just, it's eye opening. And then you think of all the things you can do with that money and, and you put that into some calculators and you're like, Hey, instead of buying that fancy purse, let's, let's see what this, you know, and mm -hmm. it's kind of been a little bit how the journey has gone for us. But luckily she uh, really trusts me with our finances, which I think early in my, 20s was a bad idea. And, uh, you know, had to had to go and experience some, you know, day trading and some failures on that side of the house before making it to, to this side. But um, yeah, that's what it's all about. It's a partnership. And um, everyone's got to be on board for it to for the for it to work. Right, right. Definitely. Yeah, what, um, what would you say would be, has been the the biggest difficulty um, on your journey so far, uh, with or without, you know, if it's something within your marriage or not, like it doesn't matter, just in biggest struggle that you've had so far uh, going down the fire movement journey. Um, that's a tough one. I think my biggest struggle is just realizing that this is not uh, something that I'm going to get to overnight. Uh, I think initially I thought it's going to be easy. You know, I'm going to save, I'm going to, and, and there's a, a lot of fat or, or to trim at the beginning. So I started, implementing a lot of different things, buying LED, getting my electric bill down, um, just optimizing my finances. And you get kind of like a high from doing that because you see immediate results. And um, then it gets to a certain point where you're like, okay, there's not much more I can do. I just need to wait it out. There's just, yeah. it takes take some time, you know, that's why it's called a journey. And uh, so that's one thing that I would say is one of my biggest struggles is just patience and realizing that I'm in a good place, I just need to, you know, give it some time. And eventually, I'll be there. And there's no rush either, because, uh, you know, I, I want to enjoy this, this part of my life just as much as when I fire when I when I get to a financial independence. So I don't want to continue to live for six, seven years down the road, whenever I get to that number, I want to enjoy life now. 
Yeah, I totally agree. That's been my, that's been what I found too, is balancing the kind of living in the moment now, especially with, with having kids and not taking, not turning it into a deprivation exercise with them. And do you find a, uh, a kind of law of diminishing returns when you get to a certain point with frugality that it's just the more you push for it, the more of a sacrifice it really becomes? I do. I think that you need to find everybody's different based off of your needs or, or how you grew up. I think you just need to find at that level that you feel that you might be, you know, causing yourself a little bit of deprivation and or where you're just like a little bit too uncomfortable. And that's when you kind of draw the line and, and then you might, you know, buy yourself something, whatever it is, just to bring you back up. But, uh, you know, I definitely think the the normal before finding financial independence is the bar is set a lot higher. And uh, you could be unhappy and you're spending, you're racking up, you know, a couple thousand on your credit card bill. Um, so I think that readjusting that level down is important. Um, but then, like you said, I think after you get to a certain point, you need to start focusing on the other side of the spectrum, which is increasing your income or, uh, yeah, I guess just increasing your income. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of that. And I think not enough people focus on that. And, and you know, with your career and your wife's career, it sounds like um, it sounds like you guys have that, you know, pretty well under control. And I think a lot of people are so quick to just jump. You know, so I think it's uh, I think it's an effect of Dave Ramsey, really. And uh, not that he's doing anything wrong, but the, his audience, you know, there's he's got, you know, he can make a big difference in their life by telling them, hey, stop spending on credit cards, stop doing these things. But some of us are already not doing that or have stopped doing that if you did it in the past. And so then it's like, okay, what next? And people are afraid, I think, to tell people that they need to to work on themselves and make themselves more marketable, or maybe make some changes in their life or career or knowledge or education or, or skill to go and earn a higher income. And, and this stuff is, is very achievable for people that really want to go out and work for it. Um, and so it's really interesting to, to hear you say that. And I know what we found was, was going down to a level of deprivation where it's like, Hey, this is like, this hurts. And then adding money back to it. I don't know if you've done something similar, but that whole, you know, getting to a certain point and then buying yourself something, I think that kind of goes along with the same mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Helpful. Maybe, maybe not buying myself, uh, just anything, but like, just, you know, kind of turning on the spending a little bit again, just to, yeah. You know. Turn on the faucet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. We definitely do that. And I think there's a, they always, kind of a rule of thumb is if you inherit or have a big windfall of cash and maybe it's just a thousand bucks and take a little bit of it and go out and go to dinner or spend it on something or something you've been wanting to have and, and save the rest. And that really keeps you from digging into the whole batch. So with, with being married, let's take a quick step back. I'm kind of interested in how you handle this because I've gotten a lot of weird looks and glances and feedback when, uh, well, at least people around me, when we talk about finances and being married. Uh, my wife and I give each other an allowance in our budget, and it's not like one of us is bad with our money by any means, but it's really just slush money, money that we can literally flush down the drain and not care what uh, what happens to it. Like she can spend on whatever she wants. I can spend on whatever I want. We don't ask any questions. But other than that, it's focused on our budget is the main focus. And so we give each other some leeway there. Do you, have you guys explored anything like that? Or is that something that you've tried? Um, not necessarily. So on our, and, uh, you know, I know you're a big proponent of combining, um, but we have just worked out a, a system that, that just works for us. And that's, uh, she contributes to her retirement accounts just as much as I do as much as possible, of course. And, uh, we, go ahead and have a joint account for everything that's necessary to pay the bills, 
the mortgage, the uh, association fees, taxes, etc., and the grocery bills and all that. Um, so that goes into one pool. And then whatever is left over, which usually isn't a whole lot after uh, student loans, etc., then that's really up to us. So um, we we don't we have a level of trust and comfort in in each other in that sense. And I don't want to have to look over hers. And and like I said, everybody's different. Everybody works in different ways. Sure. But for us, it's just uh, better when she has the uh, you know the freedom to kind of do what she pleases with whatever's left over at the end of the month or the end of the week. And, yeah, uh, and, and same, same with me. And, and, and nobody's out buying uh, anything crazy and bringing it home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And I think that is some level of, of combination though, you know, that, um, that works really well for you. And that's, that to me says that you have a very, you know, open financial communication that you guys are really talking about these things. And, and it's crazy to hear people that just don't have any level of that whatsoever, where either one person completely dominates the finances and the other person just is completely hands off or, and, and they dictate everything or um, they, everything's combined and they just kind of wing it. Um, but it sounds like you guys, you know, have that level of financial communication. Did that come naturally or did you have to really work at, at that during uh, the time that you've been married? So no, that didn't come natural. I mean, for me, the financial uh, part of it is natural. I just enjoy it. So I, I kind of dive into that. But for her, that's not necessarily her forte. So getting her to I what I want to do is or what what I've been wanting to do is always have her in a in a good position of power to know what's going on as well. I don't want to be the only person in the household uh, that knows what's going on with the finances. So I like to teach her as much as she wants to learn and uh, take it one step at a time. Uh, so we kind of have that uh, dynamic going on where I want to make sure she understands what's going on financially at all times um, mm. with the, the mortgage, the, the budget, et cetera. And then she'll kind of throw it back my way and she'll be like, oh, let's learn some new recipes in the kitchen then uh, this week. So I will learn, you know, trying to, be creative and just, uh, you know, save some money in that sense too. We'll just kind of get creative in the kitchen and, uh, you know, it's, so it's, it's a win-win and she's helping me and I'm helping her as well. I think it's important to kind of have that, that balance. And, uh, I don't know if one person dominating the finances is always, is, is a good thing necessarily. Yeah, I completely agree. And, um, you know, my childhood was kind of filled with um, some times of, of um, let's say, arguments over money. And that was, I, well, let's, let's rephrase that. When there were arguments, it was typically over money. And, um, you know, I had a great upbringing. My parents were wonderful. Um, but when they argued then, uh, or there was tension in the house, it was almost always over finances. And so for me, that was kind of a big, a big driver of it. Um, did you have anything like that at a really young age, any sort of experience that, um, that made you kind of think about, you know, being fearful of credit cards or overspending or, or having kind of a budget mindset? So, uh, in my household growing up, my mom was mom and dad. So okay. she was, uh, you know, what I saw was she was raising me as, you know, as well as she could, but she was working two to three jobs while also going to school, um, bringing me to her classes and we'd sit in the back and I'd take a nap. Um, and so it was kind of tough in that sense. And I saw that from what she went through. I saw the struggle and um, it's not easy. So like I said, my heart goes out to anybody in that struggle. And luckily I wanted to kind of 
designed my life so I didn't have to go through that. And I, I've been blessed as well to kind of have every opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so that's kind of what I saw. And I just, I think now that's helped me put myself in a better position and appreciate uh, what I have and, and work too, especially in a time like now, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, to appreciate that you might, you know, you have income is uh, something of a different perspective, I think. Six months ago, a lot of people were getting very complacent uh, about, you know, whether they're getting paid enough or whether they had enough time off, etc. But now you see the shift coming back to appreciating just the job. Um, so that's something that I kind of always had. I've always felt like I, I've had two jobs just out of sheer abundance of caution. I've always felt like I, I was always a little bit afraid to just be left without a job, or without income. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, I might have gotten that from her. Um, so maybe the fear aspect, maybe it was a good thing. I'm not sure, but um, yeah. So she, yeah, I, a, I saw a, how tough it can get. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. Thanks for sharing that. I think that I think that's a lot of people can relate to to something like that um, in their life. And um, I have some close family that's that's that was similar. And um, you know, it's it's great to be able to connect like that with with people that are listening. And um, you mentioned having two jobs. Was that before you became a pharmacist, or are you currently working two jobs? So I'm currently working two jobs, and um, yeah, I think uh, that's that's something that I, I have always felt the need for um and uh i kind of would get weird kind of looks from from my friends or people i spoke with you know making small talk they'd be like are you concerned about your first job is there something wrong that and i'm like no i just kind of want two jobs just in case i don't like being at the mercy of of one employer um you know so you hear horror stories and then you kind of realize like you don't want to be in that position so and it also gives you a little bit of power to to verbalize, not have to hold your tongue too much and take mm-hmm. what the employer says or your management says, um, you know, you have a voice and you're not really scared to say anything because you know, you have a fallback. Um, so it's kind of like FU money, but before you have FU money, you can just get a second <laughs> yep, job, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Is it in the similar, is it in similar industry? Is it like almost on par? Or is it like uh, your pharmacist during the day and Uber driver at night? No, no. So it's uh, two pharmacy jobs. Uh, so, which the, uh, you know, it doesn't really diversify the income, you know, unfortunately, if you lose your job in one industry and having two jobs is not going to really help. Um, but, but still, I just felt like having my foot in two different companies might help that aspect. God forbid one goes belly up, or if one just kind of gives me too much of a hard time, I'm just like, all right, I'm done. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. That's a that's that's a lot that you have on your plate. Um, and it sounds like you're on track. You're saving a ton of money. You're investing a ton of money. Do you have any um, specific investments that, or investment advice, or anything that you found that's worked really well for you? I mean, this is kind of a trying time. So, I mean, there's probably a lot of people out there that would um, that are pr- primed and ready to get into the market if they haven't been in yet. Or, um, you know, I I for one have um, last week. I, upped my contribution a little bit and um, I've kind of been scoping some things out, but is there any advice that you'd give anybody at this point in time, kind of what you're doing and what you've seen working for you? Um, what I'm doing is, is sticking to the plan. I am, uh, I haven't really changed much. I have been contributing here and there, but I've tried to be careful because you can get pretty excited when, well, okay, maybe I get excited. I don't know if other people <laughs> get excited, 
when you see a drop in five to seven percent, the volatility mm-hmm. has been crazy. So when I see a seven percent drop in the market, for me, I'm ready to to just start buying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I need to kind of you know hold back a little bit and realize, hey, it's seven percent today, but in next week it could be down another seven percent. Um, who knows how far it's going to go? So I need to also pause and just remember: is my emergency fund okay? I know how much am I spending? And then, so I try to take it by tiers. If I see a five to to 10% drop, I'll add a little bit more plus whatever I'm contributing normally. And then, you know, sit back and wait. If it goes down again, five to 10%, for sure, I'm going in again. Um, So that's my strategy. And uh, I don't know how far it can go, but, (laughs) you know, of course, the lower it goes, the the cheaper the, the sale, the stock is, right? Yeah, I know buying buying index funds at, you know, price, let's say at $99, you know, high 90s for the last six months, and then watching it go down to below 60 is kind of tough to sit on the sidelines. For me, I get the same way. It's like I get super excited, but then it's like, hold on, like, let's take a an emotional check real quick. And like you said, check the emergency fund and check everything, make sure everything's okay. And um, I'm of the mindset that, well, the first thing I like to do is say, okay, how far away am I from my automatic like monthly contribution through my employer? And if I'm close to that, then I just kind of wait it out. I'm like, yeah, you know, perfect timing. And then um, if it's something like drastic, like what we've seen, then I'm still of the mindset of buy it all the way down, buy it all the way back up, buy it all the time, you know, frequently. Uh, at a regular interval, like no matter what the weather is outside. But yeah, it definitely does kind of get you a little excited and um, want to maybe front load, you know, I, I for one, like uh, kind of more front loading some of the like my Roth IRA, uh, maxing out my Roth IRA this year might end up happening before July. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, just depending on what happens. But yeah, it's definitely tough to sit on the side. And like I said, I got started in my 20s. And then and, and I call it I'll call it investing, but in quotations, but I uh, with penny stocks really. And, and that emotional response is can just destroy your investments. And so, like you said, stick to the plan, ride it out. Um, Cause you have no idea what tomorrow could be like. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think it's like you said, important to remember to stick to the plan. Uh, for me, I stuck to my plan, which was to front load. I wanted to fully fund my Roth IRA every, every year um, because the, the, the studies show and, and history shows that, Fully funding it in January, you know, works out most of the time. So what did I do? I fully funded my Roth in January. And of course, in (laughs) February, you know, this happened. So it's a mistake or it's a loss, I guess, if if you want to classify it like that. But, um, you know, it's it doesn't hurt me really, because I think I wouldn't have changed the thing. I stuck to it and uh, we didn't know what was going to happen. So Mm -hmm. that's uh, Mm -hmm. Just sometimes you get dealt a little bit of a bad card, but you just take it on the chin and you just keep mm-hmm. going, you know? Yeah. And I think keeping your eye on the, on the end game, I mean, you're, you're young and it, it might be, uh, you know, still might be a decade or more away from when you actually want to use this money. So that long time horizon can really help ease that, that anxiety that might come with seeing, seeing a big drop in the market like that. Do you think next time you're, you, like you said, you, you do it the same way, but Maybe maybe that's the extreme is front loading in January, and maybe on the spectrum is like using the first quarter of the year to to get into the market. Yeah, I think maybe I'll take it uh, maybe ease it out a little bit. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> next time I'm not sure. It depends, but uh, yeah. you know, I guess it depends how I feel. But uh, 
but yeah, there's different strategies. As long as you, you follow $1 cost average fully fund, mm-hmm, um, you mm-hmm. know, as long as you're investing and you're doing it regularly, I think at the end of the day, the nitty gritty details um, sometimes could be negligible. You could just, as long as you get there, uh, you, you, we all will get there. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. eventually the same way. So. Yeah. One of my great fears is, is putting, I was just thinking about it is, is um, somebody new to the market, you know, fresh out of college, signing up for their 401k or maybe opening a Roth IRA and putting a bunch of money in it. And then the coronavirus hits and, you know, if it's not the coronavirus, it's something else, you know, it's going to be, um, you know, it's going to be the great recession or it's going to be some other financial something that comes out of, the, out of left field that we can't foresee. But that's one of my great fears is like, and then they get the money out of the market and they never come back. And it's like, oh, you're missing out on what could be the second half of your life when they call your golden years. You know, like that's really what you're working towards really is is having a different a different quality of life later later on. Yeah, that's that's a big risk for for new investors, definitely. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to get your input on this. What is your thoughts when people say uh, fire the fire movement is just millennials not wanting to work? <laughs> um, that uh, is kind of accurate. I mean, we a lot of the millennials are in this fire movement. That's a uh, uh, you know, it's I guess the majority. I'm not really sure the breakdown, but. You know, we, I think we've grown up in a different time. So maybe our work ethic, I don't know if it's as strong or if we just kind of know, you know, that tough, tough work over time. I mean, like uh, our parents' generation or our grandparents' generation, I mean, they might have been also treated better by their employers, um, but they've worked, they worked hard. They had to work hard and um, their body kind of took a toll over that time Mm -hmm. frame. Um, so for us or or for me, I feel like that's something that I want to take care of myself and, um, stress is, is definitely, uh, taking a toll, you know, physical labor, emotional, et cetera. So, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, maybe that's what appeals to us, uh, is just the fact that, you know, we grew up in a different time and we just want to, we learn from our parents and we're like, we don't want to work, you know, we don't want to just destroy our body, not destroy I don't know how to how to put it well, but you know, just- I think you're on track. Yeah, I think I can totally relate w- to what you're saying. And it's amazing how so much now that we talk it out so much of this is or so much of my decisions I make today that I don't realize are brought, you know, are because of um, some of my upbringing. And so and I think that obviously, that's true for a lot of people. But um, like my dad, for example, worked on these barge lines on the river, and they hauled oil and grain, and they had these these valves on them to open up open and close the parts of the boat. And uh, they had to be done manually. Well, the company like purposely didn't move to automatic valves to save money. And so like half of his work crew like burned out their shoulders and he's had like three shoulder surgeries and completely debilitated him to the point where like he couldn't throw a baseball when I was a teenager. Right. And so that was huge, a huge impact to me. And it was like, man, I got to find out. And he always told me like, find out a way to work with your brain and, you know, use your intelligence to, to make money. And and I went to the Air Force being an airplane mechanic, right? And so I didn't really, didn't really follow his advice. Um, but after doing that for a number of years, and I was just like, I saw a lot of the broken down, you know, older generation of people that have been been in for 15 plus years. And it's like, this is not what I want for my, for my future. Um, life will not, will be a lot less enjoyable if I get to that point. And so I had to make some changes. And uh, yeah, I think you're completely right. Plus, we're growing up in the age of information. And um, I was a, I was like eight years old, nine years old when we got our first computer. And, um, 
that didn't exist when my parents were my age. And so, uh, yeah, they had to go out and work for work differently. I don't say, yeah, I don't want to take away from what I, I mean, I, I work on a computer all day at a desk, but man, it's stressful. It takes all of my time. Like there's gotta be some long-term effects from working on a computer all day. Like I have three screens going at all times and you know, um, it's, an, it's, it's software sales. And so it's super high pressure and, um, it's something that even that, that it's like, ah, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do this for 20, 30 years. So it's right. uh, finding that passion, I think for me and, um, is, is finding out a way maybe later in life to be in a position where my decisions aren't driven by money and they're driven by passion and giving back and volunteerism and working in the community or helping people that are at disadvantage. Um, something along that spectrum is super, has been super important to me. So I think, I think what you said about the not wanting to work part is, is super accurate in the sense that like, yeah, the whole point is to retire early, but I also think that like, it's how you define, it's kind of how you define work in a sense. Right, right, exactly. Um, and the other thing too, is that uh, the employer employee relationship or dynamic has changed over the years as well. Um, mm -hmm. With the older generation or, or other folks, there were, uh, you know, kind of promised a, a pension at the end of their years. You know, if you worked hard for 20, 30 yeah. years and you dedicated your life to a company, they would take care of you throughout retirement. Um, we don't see that anymore. You're kind of, you know, uh, it's basically you have to fiend for your fine. What is it? You have to fend for yourself. Yep. Yep. So, so that's, uh, yeah, they're like, know, hey, hey, they're like, Hey, here's a 401k. And they, they don't teach at least my employer, like didn't teach us anything about it. Didn't know half the people I work with didn't even know how to log into it. So I found myself showing a bunch of people how to log into their, you know, their future is how I perceive it. And, and, you know, then they start asking questions. It's like, hey, don't ask me for financial advice. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to mess with, you know, I might write about it online, but I'm not going to mess with it in, in my personal life, in person, at my workplace. I'm not going to tell you what to invest in, but uh, I might show you some resources uh, to, to read. But yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's so different now that that's just, um, and I think it's good. I think it's, I think I would much rather have given the option to invest in a total stock market index fund, for example, uh, under my own control with really low fees, then be all all my eggs in the basket of a company pension. Right, right. And I think we learned, uh, or a lot of people took lessons from that from 08. And, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and dot com bubble, uh, you know, companies like Enron, who, you know, unfortunately, they promoted their own employee stock purchase. And uh, a lot of people, you know, went all in in their own company. So yeah. that unfortunately had to happen for a lot of people to learn that that's not a safe uh, investment at all and that you should probably uh, stay away from your own company's stock if possible. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, so moving forward, what are you currently most interested in, you know, when it comes to finance, what, what is a hot topic for you right now? Um, so I, I like to, at any given time, I'm reading basically any book about fire. I just uh, finished reading choose FI's book, which was great. It uh, breaks everything down pretty well. Um, but, uh, you know, with the, the whole coronavirus and that economic downturn, I think that's something that is just, you know, we can't we can't stop watching it. You know, we can't start stop listening to it. So I'm constantly learning, like, what was our mentality two, three months ago versus now and mm -hmm. uh, how quickly mm -hmm. that that uh, mentality can change. So, you know. Two, three months ago, $1,000, $2,000 was a healthy or decent emergency fund. Um, sure. Now we're realizing that, you know, six months might be really where you want to be at. Um, so, 
that's the that's the switch that I'm realizing a lot of people have kind of changed their mindset just because from one month to the next because of this downturn. And uh, I'm very interested in finding that out as kind of like a behavioral psychology aspect to, to finances. Um, so we'll see where yeah. that goes. Yeah, that's super. I mean, that's kind of on all of our minds right now, but that's a super neat like perspective that you almost you know, you talk about having an emergency fund of a thousand, two thousand dollars and like, yeah, when you're in the tip of the top of a bull market, like that's great. You probably won't ever touch it unless you get a flat tire. But then exactly. nobody, nobody thinks that we're going to have, uh, you know, need to have a pandemic fund where it's like you might not be able to like if you would have told me three months ago, even when we found out about this in China, that we were going to be basically sheltered in place as a nation for now. It sounds like they just extended it another 30 days. Um, I've. I don't know. I don't think I would have believed you. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and that's the, right. that's the scary part. Sorry. Is uh, no, that good. basically, you know, went the $2,000 emergency fund or, or whatever, like you said, emergency could be a flat tire. You, you have a, a high credit limit on your credit cards and uh, you know, you might've opened up a HELOC on your, on your house. So you're like, Oh, you know, worst case scenario, I, I've got credit. I've got availability. I could sell a little bit of my stocks you know, take out a little bit from my Roth, you know, you kind of give yourself this illusion that there's so many options. But what I'm noticing is that or, you know, me living through my first bear market or my first downturn, is that everything goes down at the same time, everything. So you lose your job, there's an emergency, and there's no credit availability. And uh, that's the scary part. So I think that not as much as not a, not as much as focused, I guess. And that's typically what happens during the cycle, during a bull market. That's not being focused on. But I feel like that's maybe something that we should kind of focus on for sure going forward, right? regardless of where they're – hopefully we have a 20-year bull run, but, <laughs> you know, whatever the cycle we're in. Yeah, I think that's super powerful. And and just, you know, uh, you, having that having that mindset – like you don't see articles today being posted about – what you can, how you can take out a HELOC and invest that in a rental property and cash, just a cash flow, 200 bucks a month, you know, and it's, it's amazing how easy it is to make money and invest in the market when everything's going really great. And I think a lot of people, unfortunately, are getting caught, you know, with their pants down for lack of a better phrase. Um, and it's just really, it's just interesting to watch and, and watch it play out and, and see the effect on, on your own personal finances. And I think that everyone's probably after this, I would hope so that everyone's a little more, uh, has a little more focus on their own finances and, and what that means going forward. And maybe these are some lessons where people are like, you know, can bring their kids up with. And I think this is definitely something where we're all going to remember for, for the rest of our lives, you know, so it's so impactful. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, hey, where can our listeners find you? Um, where can they come and read your content and get to know you a little bit better? So uh, you guys can find me at uh, inspiretofire.com. I pub- post uh, probably at least two, three articles a month. I, I try to do my best uh, on that aspect. You can download any resources that I have. Uh, they're all free. Uh, the FIRE spreadsheet to find out your FI number, FI date. Also, the Roth conversion ladder to to play with that, as well as I'll I'll have much more resources to come, um, and then I'm also pretty active on Instagram. So inspired dot two dot fire and two is to. That's where you can follow me as well, and 
you know, I like to kind of post my quick thoughts on, on Instagram, uh, as far as what's going on, especially nowadays, um, mortgage refinances, etc. So, uh, that's something where you can kind of get like more of up to date, uh, you know, uh, updates. Yeah. Awesome. I'll definitely be there myself. Um, and for anyone listening, the links and everything that he mentioned will be in the, sh- in the notes below in the show notes. And, um, you know, I, I recommend to go and, and find out more about Inspire to Fire and, um, you know, work in multiple jobs and all the things that we talked about on the show today. Um, sounds like you're making some really great money moves. You're probably, I mean, you're a lot closer than I am to financial independence. Um, do you, could, can you say like, maybe like, are you, are you going to, do you have another 10 years or more? Or are you going to, do you think you're going to at least reach, reach a level of financial independence before then? So, uh, it's, it's kind of all, uh, fluid. It's a fluid situation, especially with what's going on right now. But, you know, I, I think after a couple of years, I might uh, consider part-time work and just see if I maybe take a step back in that sense. Um, or depending on how I feel, I might continue to go, uh, pedal to the metal and see how fast I can get there. And then uh, it just depends on, on, I guess, how I'm feeling. But that's the beauty of uh, financial independence is you have that option. And uh, that's why I, I love it. And that's why I want to empower everybody to have that same option as well. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm not, it's not around the corner, especially with what's going on. My investments uh, don't look pretty today, but you know, we'll, we'll continue the plan and, and we uh, it's a journey. So we'll remember this and we'll, it'll be like a, a learning lesson, I guess. Yeah. Agreed. Is there anything that I didn't cover that you uh, would like our listeners to know? Uh, no, I think you, you got, you, we, we discussed a lot of great things and, and uh, I, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. Um, look forward to your, your content that you got some great stuff coming out and uh, hopefully we can collaborate again in the future uh, and, you know, provide more valuable information to, to our audience. Yeah, most definitely. I, I would love to have you on the show again, just kind of maybe after all of this uh, settles out, if whether that's six months from now or next year or sometime and, and kind of see how you know, see you on the other side of, of everything. But I definitely want to you know, sincerely thank you for coming on the sh- on the podcast. It's obviously you're my first guest here and I've been people have been asking me and basically giving me advice to, to pivot that way. Um, it's probably tired of hearing me solo everything, but <laughs> I definitely appreciate you giving us your time. And I really hope the situation in your neck of the woods improves. I wish you the best with your you know, blogging, financial coaching, your jobs, you know, your own financial health and well-being and, and uh, your marriage. And I just wish sincerely wish you the best. And, and thank you so much for giving us some of your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much.